0: Today is a bit of a special day, Um, right on the heels of the Burnaby Project and the handing out of all of the gospel of John 3.16, the little tract. We're having um, sort of an evangelistic Sunday. We've asked one of our young people to come and take a minute or two and tell us how she came to know God. A lot of people in the world saying, God, are you out there? And yes, he is. And uh, she's about to come and tell us how she came to know God.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Danielle Munya, and I'll be sharing how I got to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So, I was born and raised in a Christian home since I was in the Philippines to even now in Canada. From a young age, I naturally learned the ways around being a Christian. How to look like one, how to act like one, how to dress like one, how to speak like one, and so on. From the looks of it, people around me automatically assumed I was saved although after hearing the gospel many times, it finally clicked one Sunday. I realized how I looked on the outside didn't match my heart on the inside. I never once in my life remembered a time I actually accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, just like all the stories I kept hearing. So that night on November 2008, I went upstairs to my dad's bedroom and he showed me the gospel message one more time. I learned that my good works didn't send me to heaven but only a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. All the things I merited didn't count for anything. Just because I was a good person isn't enough to pay for my sins. So when I was eight years old, and with the help of my dad, I repented of my sins and prayed for God to become my Lord and Savior. Afterwards, I was like a new creature. I now have a reason for going to church and and acting the way I did, and that is to serve and love the Lord. From then till now, I have made many mistakes, and I have sinned. But I thank God for His grace and mercy for giving a poor sinner like me another day to live.
0: Thank you. Amen. An interesting, actually amazing thought that uh, any man, woman, or young person can be glorified uh, and spend eternity with God in heaven. That is an amazing thought. As we look around the world and we, we see it getting worse, not better, That, I think, is more the true nature of things. Uh, If it were not for the restraining power of God, uh, what kind of world would we live in? I'd like you to open your Bible, please, to Psalm number 8, Psalm 8. And we have before us a a very uh, uh, interesting uh, scripture here because essentially it's uh, telling us that God is thinking about us. And uh, so we want to um, talk about this subject and how God knows where you're at. That's, I think, how we would say it today, isn't it? Where are you at? Where are you at? Uh, And God knows where you're at. He knows. He knows everything about your situation. Praise the Lord for that. So let's uh, have a word of prayer and then let's look at these few verses of scripture and see how they apply to our hearts Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for a Bible, a real living book Thank you that you are the greatest author, Lord, in having written this fantastic book and through it We can know you, and as we read it, we feel, we, we feel your, uh, your voice we, we can almost hear your voice we, we press it to our heart. It, the Bible seems to say, I love you. Lord, this, this book you've given us is fantastic. And we pray that you'd please help us to understand a few verses from it now today and comfort one another. We pray, Lord, that if there be uh, one with a heavy heart, a burden, maybe at home or in their, their life or something, Lord, you would help lift that burden today. So, please be near and dear to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This uh, short psalm, with its nine verses here, it seems to paint a, a garden of Eden. Interesting, that was the theme of our marriage retreat Friday and Saturday, was back to the garden. But uh, in Psalm 8, we seem to have God uh, almost painting a, a picture, and He puts man right at the center. Now that's quite amazing that God would do that God is mindful look at it in verse 4 what is man that thou art mindful of him did you know that that God is mindful of you did you know that many don't know that and they think that God uh, is busy with other things in the universe and uh, different universes and all of the the things that happen and God is sort of more concerned with these things but that us we Me, I as an individual, God doesn't notice me. I'm just one amongst a sea of faces. That is not true. It doesn't matter who you are, God knows all there is to know about you. He knows the very number of hairs on your head. He knows the very number of of molecules within your body. He knows your days and your nights. He knows everything you've been through, all of your ups and your downs. And that's good news for us, folks. It's not like we've got to put on some kind of plastic face and come before an almighty God and try and be something we're not. God is so intimately aware of us and what we're going through, and that's good to know it's good to know so let's uh, take a look here in verse one it starts "O oh lord our lord now if you're fortunate enough to have a good king james bible you will notice the first lord is all capitals all capital letters you notice that and the second lord only the l is capital did you see that now that's an important difference these two words here, "Lord" and "Lord," they're not the same. In Hebrew, the first one is Jehovah, and the, in the second one is Adonai. And Jehovah is that uh, uh, fabulous name that God revealed Himself to uh, His Old Testament people as uh, Jehovah. Um, it's translated normally with all capitals here in our Bible then the second Lord capital L little o little r little d is like a master if you will now we refer to Jesus as Lord and in the New Testament pretty much uh, all of the instances of Lord in reference to Jesus is capital L little o little r little d and from this one verse alone you can see that Lord Jehovah and Lord Adonai are equal. O oh Lord, our Lord, the Jesus of the New Testament is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. He's the same. He is one and the same God. It's important to know that. He's given us his name Jehovah, Jesus, one in the name, one in the same. Oh, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. When our Lord Jesus came to earth, When God came to earth, his name was Jesus, and he taught us to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do you remember those words? That's what we have in verse 1. How excellent is thy name in all the earth. You know that God has a reputation. And uh, God actually uh, does things to look after his reputation. If you're here today and you've been born again into the family of God, you've repented of your sins and trusted Christ, and you've been born into God's family, you'll know it. You're a son or daughter of God, and God goes to extra lengths to look after his children. Can you imagine a man who's a father, and he doesn't look after his kids, and he neglects them, and he's not even aware of them, and he doesn't even know their names? What kind of a father would that be? And God is the best father. And when you're born again into his family, when you're part of his family, he knows your name. He knows all about you. And he cares for you and loves you. And there are things that he will do for you just because he's a father. And so that's good to know. We need to get to know more and more about God. Because God is a wonderful God. And so he has a name and a reputation. And by the way, uh, it's interesting, uh, you know, a lot of the world, they try to deny God. They try to deny Jesus Christ. But uh, does anyone know what year it is? What year is it? What is it? What's the number? 2018. From when? 2018 years. From when? We call it Anno Domini, A.D., 20. 2018 a.d. what is that anno domini it means in the year of our lord when i was a boy i used to think it meant after death (laughs) anyone ever think that yeah a few of us oh i'm not alone but it means uh, in the year of our lord that means the time he was born the day he was born you go to the communists of the world today the communists who who deny the existence of god they say there is no god you go and ask them what year is it what are they forced to admit? You go to the evolutionist and you ask him, what year is it? What is he forced to admit? The year of our Lord. Isn't that something? And it's printed in all the newspapers and all official documents all over the world. Isn't that right? is amazing? God does things for his own reputation. Isn't that something? O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. There's not a day that goes by without some acknowledgement of his glorious birth praise the lord you know as christians we really have something to be proud of we really really do when you're part of god's family you're on the winning side you are you really are well we get to verse two and it says out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength so god has put some special blessing into the weak ones. Sometimes we think we make a mistake and we think it's only the powerful, strong ones that get the blessings or have the, uh, the strength, we'll say. That's not true. What God does is he turns the world against itself. He, he uses its own logic against itself. He shows the world how, how really foolish they are because out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. And I'll give you a good example of that. A few minutes ago, we had young, sweet Danielle stand up here, and she told how she came to know God as her personal Savior. And here's a young girl. She doesn't have any PhDs after her name. She hasn't conquered any territories. She hasn't run for political office and been voted in by a landslide. She's got none of what the world would look upon as as greatness, and yet look at her testimony. Her sweet, simple testimony bears witness to the fact that God Almighty did a work in her life. That's what we heard. God did a work in that young girl's life. This is what it means here. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. Boy, that's another good argument against um, uh, the atheists and the evolutionists, that here is a young person in whose life God has done a wonderful work. Boy, that's wonderful. If you're here today and you've you've met God, you've had Jesus Christ come into your heart and life, that is an unbelievable, amazing experience to go through. That flies in the face of evolution. Evolutionists have nothing like that. You know, it is so strong, it is so powerful a testimony. There are people here today whose lives were in shambles maybe some who were contemplating suicide and then they met the Savior then Jesus came in their heart they met God and what happened a tremendous turnaround in their life now instead of doom and gloom there's light and joy in their eyes you show me an evolutionist whose life was on the rocks whose marriage was in shambles whose kids were going to the dogs you show me an evolutionist I can tell you when I learned evolution, it put my feet on, on firm ground. It, 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 it made me hold my head up high. It gave me a purpose for living. It restored my marriage. It helped my children. It gave me hope. You show me an evolutionist who can tell you that uh, his theory of evolution has done that for him. Or show me an atheist who says, boy, my life was almost gone. I, was, I had the gun right to my head. I was going to blow my brains out. And then I watched a TV program on atheism. And they told me there was no God. And I felt so wonderful. And it gave me renewed vigor and hope. And it brought my wife back to me. And it helped me overcome my bad habits and my drinking and my drugs. And boy, I'm a better man today because of my atheism. You won't find one. Not a one, not an atheist, not an evolutionist that can give you a testimony like that. But here, a few moments ago, was a young girl standing here saying that Jesus came into her heart. What a change that makes. What a difference it is when God comes into your life. That puts your feet on solid ground. There are so many religions in the world, and there are so many billions of people saying, God, are you out there? What must I do? God, what do you want me to do? And some of them burn candles, light candles. Some of them count beads. Some of them say Hail Marys and different prayers. Some of them will actually crawl over glass and and sharp sticks and stones, trying to get to know a God that's out there somewhere. God is there, and God knows where you're at, and God is willing to come into your heart. And to change you and to turn on the light bulb and to give you new hope and glory and strength joy oh we've got so many millions of examples down through the years of, of people who whose lives have been changed for the good and all of a sudden life is worth the living now because Jesus came into their heart because God came in their heart you see, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength. And here's why, he goes on, because of thine enemies. Those are the God-haters. Those are the God-deniers. These are the enemies of God. And what God has done is he's put the blessings there. He's put the blessings there. You know, it's been said by the scientists, the people who really understand physics and dynamics and aerodynamics and all those physical properties that the bumblebee should not be able to fly because the, the body size of the bumblebee is so big and the area of the wings is so small that there's not enough Power lift there, whatever to get the the weight of the the bumblebees body off the ground It would be like you standing with two ping-pong rackets Furiously flipping them up and down trying to elevate yourself off the ground. It's not gonna happen You need bigger wings, right? And so the scientists all tell us that it is a scientific impossibility for a bumblebee to fly and yet what happens? What do they do? What do they go and do? They confound us, don't they? Because bumblebees really do fly. They really do. Here, God has put um, strength and blessing in the mouth of babes and sucklings so that these God-haters, his enemies, would be stilled, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. And so the enemies of God, and all of the evolutionists and the atheists and the God-haters, and they're trying to say that God is not real and he's no good, and there we are, like the bumblebee, flying. Whoa, is that what you think? Well, okay, go ahead and think it if you want, and we fly away. God gives wings as eagles. That's what Isaiah speaks about. It's a wonderful thing to have God in your life. You know, in my own life, I got into drinking as a teenager, and um, I, I was so foolish. And so I got into drinking uh, not beer but gin, and that's pretty miserable stuff. The first, uh, boy, that really cuts the throat. Uh, I found it so anyhow. It was like a, putting a knife against my throat, the feel of the first couple of drinks of gin. But then I found by the third and fourth one, I couldn't feel it anymore, so I kept drinking and i'd get drunk imagine that your pastor drunk well he wasn't your pastor at the time he was the devil's pawn i was a child of the devil and i, I would drink problem is uh, i'd i'd get I'd get drunk and i'd say never again but i had no power to quit you see i wanted to quit but i couldn't i was i was hooked and so there was nothing i could do and i'd i'd have these hangovers now, if you're here and you ever lived an unsaved life with alcohol, you know, you must know what a, what a hangover is. And I would get them. I was sick as a dog. I mean, bleh, bleh, for about two days. And I'd say, well, oh, never again. And then they'd say, you know, there's a party Friday night. Okay, one more, just this one more. And I had no power to stop. I couldn't stop drinking until it was all gone. When it was gone, then I had to stop because there was none left when i became a christian on april the 6th 1975 it's been over 43 years now when i became a christian god broke those chains it wasn't me going to aa meetings it wasn't me saying you can do this boy you can do this it was something that was outside of me it happened without my power it was god's power and he broke those chains And all of a sudden, I felt free. I didn't have to go and drink. And I said, you know what? I don't want to, and I'm not going to. And it was something so glorious and free, and it was amazing power that God put in me to walk away from the alcohol. That's God's power. That wasn't my power. I had the power to uncork the bottle and put it to my mouth. That would be my power. God's power was not even to touch the cork but to turn and walk from it you see that's God's power and so out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the Avenger be still enemy be still Avenger quiet and down all of his arguments crazy as they are the bumblebee can still fly all of the world's crazy arguments they, they can argue till they're blue in the face it doesn't matter because God has still put the blessing inside his children. And we can still mount up with wings as eagles. We can still overcome. We can still do great things that the world says, you can't do that, and we go ahead and do it anyhow. We can overcome what the world cannot overcome. God has done that for his children. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. If you're here today and you're not one of God's children, you're not his son, you're not his daughter, don't you wish you were? Don't you wish you had the power of God in your life? To overcome a few things I think it's a great blessing <clears throat> this way you see God gets the glory that's the important thing God gets the glory now I want to suggest to you that God is not into complicated things because according to this out of the mouth of babes and sucklings Thou hast ordained strength I believe we need to to grow we need to read our Bibles and pray and grow as Christians but I think that we need to stay away from some of this formalistic kind of religion You know so there's nothing wrong per se with stained glass but that doesn't impress God oh that that building doesn't have stained glass so therefore it is not a church oh this building has stained glass therefore it is a church don't buy into that God is not impressed with stained glass he's not impressed with gold and silver these things don't impress God many many years ago when we lived in Ontario we had a small church there our building was very small. I think our building could fit inside this auditorium. And uh, a man, a man, I won't tell you who, but a man came to our church, and a lady came with him. It was an older couple. And um, she came in, she looked around, said, oh, it's nice, It's nice. Later, they went to a Ukrainian Catholic church And when she was in there, she she got into a pew and bowed her head and did a bunch of praying. Afterwards, he asked her, I know this because he told me, he asked her, "Why why did you pray in that church, but you didn't pray in this church? And then she said to him, oh, it's because this one is the house of God. That's what she was brought up to think, that you had to have stained glass you had to have some big pipe organ or something in order for it to be the house of God. She had no understanding that the house of God is really where God's people meet together. She didn't understand that. And she thought that bricks and mortar was the house of God. It's not. The house of God is in his people. That's the house of God. Now, we happen to be meeting in a place of uh, bricks and mortar. I know that but we could meet out on the street and we would still be the house of God. But I'm just saying this, God is interested in the simple things. Well, we get to verse 3, and now um, this is a psalm of David. By the way, in your King James Bible, you see that it may say these words on the top there, to the chief musician upon Giddith." Do you see that? Say, what is a Giddith? A Giddith was a stringed instrument. Many think it could have been a type of harp, but the idea was to, to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. This was not a gloomy song. This was something of joy and praise to God. And as we understand it, we find out it surely is. His name is wonderful. Boy, the name of the Lord is something to be excited about. And verse 2, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. That, that means that every one of us can get in on the blessing. You don't have to be a PhD to get a blessing from God. You don't have to be a multimillionaire in order to get a blessing from God. Just be an ordinary person and come to God in simple faith. Now, verse 3, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Wow. God has done a lot of work out there in outer space, hasn't he? He's put together a wonderful universe, if you know something or other about it. It's big, isn't it? And uh, I haven't done, I haven't taken my tape measure and measured this, but I've, I've done some study, I've read about people who estimate the size of the earth. And they say that the earth's surface is 198,980,700 square miles. They say that's the, the surface of the earth. There's a planet out there in space called Uranus. And Uranus apparently is four times bigger than Earth. You could take four of our entire Earths and fit it inside Uranus. There's another planet out there called Saturn, which is 9.5 times bigger than planet Earth, taking nine and a half entire globes and putting them inside that one planet. There's another planet called Jupiter, which is 11 times bigger than our Earth. And then there's a star out there called the sun. And it's 109 times bigger than our planet, our entire planet. It's over 100 times bigger than us. We here in Canada sometimes compare ourselves to our neighbors of the South, United States, and they are approximately 10 times the population that we are here in Canada. For every one Canadian, there's 10 Americans. That's the idea. They're 10 times bigger. They're three, 300, almost three hundred and four, 350 million people. We're 37 million is what we are. Now, I think they're bigger than 350 million anyhow you get the idea they're so much bigger ten times bigger than us but when we start comparing our entire world to the sun it's a hundred over a hundred times bigger than what we are say well what's the what's the point the point is this what are we we you know in comparison to the sun and to some of these other planets what are we we're a little spot is what we are in reality What we are is the tiniest speck upon the tiniest speck of dirt. That's what we end up being in the vast scheme of the universe. It's pretty hard to find the planet Earth. If you were an alien flying in your spaceship throughout the universe, it would be kind of hard to find Earth. We're so small. You could oh, there's the sun. That one's easy. (laughs) Where's Earth? We're so small, you could shoot past us, right? Uh, Years ago, I heard heard a man talk about the town in which he lived in. He said it's a very small town, very small population. You want to know how big the town is, he said. On the sign that says, Welcome, on the back it says, Come again. (laughs) That's a pretty small town. And Earth is a pretty small town in the whole galaxy and God has made all these things these things are the work of his fingers folks the work of his fingers you know in the light of all this we have verse 4 what is man that thou art mindful of him in the light of the universe the galaxy in the light of all God's amazing creations there's the earth and then there's you there's you what are you that God should think about you? What am I that God should put his mind on me? You see, that's what the psalmist is saying. This is so amazing. We have people that believe in God. I'm not saying people here in this church, but we have people in the world, they believe in God, but they don't believe that, that you can know God. They, they don't believe you can have contact with God. They don't believe it's possible because it doesn't make sense to them. But the Bible tells us we can have contact with this creator, this amazing God. We can know him personally. If someone came up to you and said, oh, I was uh, talking to the queen uh, this past week, and she told me something about Mr. Trump, and so I picked up the phone and I called Mr. Trump, and I said, Donald, is this true? Now, this person talking to you, you'd think they're a bit whacked you'd say you don't know the queen you don't know donald trump we'd say oh you're crazy but someone comes up to you and says i was just talking to god this morning and how do you respond to that well if you know god yourself you say that's wonderful i was talking to him myself the world, the unsaved, the people of the world that don't know God, they say, whoa, wait, time out, that is impossible. You cannot know God. You can know about him like you know about the queen, but you're not going to get to know her. You can know about the president, you're not going to get to know him. Don't, don't hold your breath. You can know about God, but you'll never get to know him, and that's what some people think. And the Bible tells us we can know God personally intimately some people want that some people don't the choice is ours isn't it wretched miserable fallen man what is man that thou art mindful of him man who exploits children man who peddles his drugs to our school children man who feathers his nest with the profits off off, of horrible things and by the way now marijuana is now legal on the table man who destroys the morals of his fellow man with with all kinds of perversions, man who calls right wrong and calls wrong right, man who murders millions of unborn babies every year, man who laughs in the face of Jesus, laughs at heaven, laughs at hell, and laughs at the Bible. Why should God even bother with us? I don't know. But he does. Look at verse 5. <clears throat> For thou hast made him, that's man, a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea O Lord our Lord how excellent is thy name in all the earth Wow go back to verse 4 what is man that thou art mindful of him the importance of one soul in the sight of God did you know that you my friend are the pearl his pearl of great price did you know that you are so important to him And he is so concerned about you. He's concerned about your eternal salvation. He's concerned about your daily welfare. He's concerned about your happiness. He's concerned about you when you experience all of the unpleasant things of life. And he wants to be there with you and work things out together with you. And he wants to be your all in all for you. Yes, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Did you know that you are not a body that happens to have a soul? You are a soul that happens to have a body. And that soul will live. It's been made in the image and likeness of Almighty God. It will live on. You are an eternal soul. You've been created in His image, and you will live on after death. I watched a testimony of a man on YouTube. He died a good number of years ago, but he was uh, famous. He became famous, and he was a very simple man. He was a very likable man, humble kind of a guy, but he was a man that didn't know God. And they asked him his beliefs, And he said, Well, I believe that when we die, that's it. That, you know, there is no God, there is no afterlife. And he came right out and said it. You know that that man is still alive? In a place called hell. The Bible that teaches us that we can really know God also teaches us that there is a heaven and there is a place called hell. There's nothing in between. There's no purgatory, there's no sort of middle ground, no neutrality, no limbo, nothing like that. When you die, you're either going to go right to heaven or you're going to go right to hell. Right to heaven, right to hell. Right to heaven, right to hell. There's over 50 million people that die every year in this world. Maybe by now it's closer to 60 million. Can you imagine that? Twice the population of Canada in one year, gone. Just like that. Where do they go? If you and I had eyes to see the souls as they leave their bodies, we'd see some of them flying toward heaven. We'd see others flying into the center of the earth toward hell. We'd see that. Say, how do you know that? Because the Bible teaches that. But in spite of all that, we have a mindful God. Look at it once more in verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful? The Hebrew word behind mindful means to mark, to make a mark on something. Have you ever tried to remind yourself of something? You say, now, tomorrow morning I must not forget to do this. Have you ever done that? Usually when you're going to go shopping, what do you make? You make a, a list, right. Why would you make a list? So that you don't forget, right. So you make a list sometimes I use a little memory trick in the middle of the night and I you know I say oh tomorrow morning I must remember to do something but what do you do you know and you don't want to get out of bed so what do you do so you take something weird and off the night table whatever you throw it in the middle of the room and you say to myself to yourself when I see that I'm going to remember and then you fill in the blank what it is you want to remember and it works it's amazing how it works. You get up in the morning and you say, No, well, know, what's that doing there? <gasps> oh, yes. And you, you remember it's a little memory trick. Here, God is mindful. That means this, that God is taking careful thought about you. You may be here today and you may be thinking, well, God doesn't really see me. All this is like TV, you know. You sit there in your living room and you watch all these characters on TV. They can't see you, and you reach out and turn the little button, or not these days. I guess you've got the, the little remote, you go bleep, you know, touch. Let's see what's on the next channel. Click. No one can see me. It's not the same with God. He can see you. You know something? It's not even the same in church. I can see you. I can see when you look down. I can see when you look up. I can see when you're on that phone. Uh Uh-oh. I can see when you take your shoes off. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, this is not TV. I see what's going on. How much more does God see what's going on, right? He sees everything, everything. Now, that can either scare you or it can comfort you. And I pray that you take comfort in that because God really does care about you. He cares about all of the things you go through and he cares about all of your joys and your sorrows. It's very, very true. I read an interesting story about a woman. She passed away in 1998, but her name was Celestine Harrington. You've probably never heard of her, but she lived in a US town called Atlantic City. Now, the thing about Celestine is she was a quadriplegic. That means that she couldn't use her arms or her legs, and she was in a motorized kind of a a wheelchair of sorts. And she had to operate this thing with her chin. She had kind of like a joystick with a suction cup of some sort, and she put her chin there and she could, you know, operate this thing to go left, right, forward, stop, back, that sort of thing. Now, Celestine was an amazing lady. She died at 42 years of age, but she was an amazing lady. Uh, she worked as a uh, delivery person. Uh, she got a job, a woman owned a restaurant, and so the woman hired her to deliver food I'm having trouble imagining how she could do that but that was her main job and she also worked as a street musician she had a keyboard that she operated with her chin and her lips and think her nose and she would play music on this thing now the lady who owned the restaurant uh, she sat down with Celestine once and she said Celestine I don't understand How is it that God allows me to walk around and do what I do, and yet there's you, and he doesn't allow it for you? You're quadriplegic. And Celestine, without missing a beat, said to her, Well, that's why I'm here, is to remind you to count your blessings. What an amazing woman. God knows what you're going through. Now, there's no one here in the same category of suffering as Celestine Hardington. That's, that's pretty bad. Of course, we could always say that there were people even worse off than her. But let's not talk about them. Let's talk about you and God, your life, your struggles right now, what you're going through. Wouldn't it be wonderful to get alone with God Almighty, the Creator, and say, God, here's what I'm struggling with. Would you please give me the power and strength? God, here's what I'm afraid of. Would you please go with me? God, here's what I'm guilty about. Would you please forgive me? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to get together with Almighty God, the Creator, and to be able to fix up some of these things? Isn't that wonderful? It says right there, what is man? Why don't you put your own name in there? What is, put your name in there, that, that thou art mindful of him. Very interesting, isn't it? Back in 1901, and I'm sure no one was here at the time, but in 1901, a Christian man by the name of Frank Graff wrote a hymn, and it became famous. And I want to read the words of the hymn, and you'll know the words. I'm pretty sure you'll know them as I read them. Frank took a pen and paper and started writing the words of this hymn, does jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth and song as the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long does jesus care when my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear as the daylight fades into deep night shades does he care enough to be near does jesus care WHEN I'VE TRIED AND FAILED TO RESIST SOME TEMPTATION STRONG, WHEN FOR MY DEEP GRIEF I FIND NO RELIEF, THOUGH MY TEARS FLOW ALL THE NIGHT LONG. DOES JESUS CARE WHEN I'VE SAID goodbye TO THE DEAREST ON EARTH TO ME? AND MY SAD HEART ACHES TILL IT NEARLY BREAKS, IS IT OUGHT TO HIM, DOES HE SEE? OH, YES, HE CARES. I know he cares, his heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. If you're here today and you don't have that Savior, you don't have a relationship with God, you can have it today. There's nothing holding you back. You don't have to be a certain age to come to the Lord. You don't have to be a a certain anything but what you do need to be certain of is that he is there and he will receive you if you come to him it's possible you may be going through some grief and stress and I want to encourage you to come and cast all your care upon him in just a moment we're going to stand have word of prayer and we're going to hold an invitation there's something about coming forward on an invitation and humbling yourself on your knees before God in prayer there's something about it that seems to work a miracle And I want to encourage you to do so. I want to encourage you to come to God today in prayer. Would you stand to your feet right now? Please stand, everyone standing. We're going to bow for prayer.